everyone, and welcome back into another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by an amazing artist today with a wonderful show. Joining us today, we have the creator and performer Alex Curtis, whose show Chalk, a silent comedy, is playing November 11th and 12th at the Crane Theater. Tickets and more information are available at frigid.nyc. And this show is fantastic. I've only gotten the chance to read the little blurb that was sent to us, but right away it was like, oh my gosh, yes, a thousand times. So I'm excited to bring you the show. I'm excited to welcome on our guest. So let's go ahead and welcome on Alex. Alex, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Well, thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I am so excited to have you here. And again, I'm excited about your show, Chalk, A Silent Comedy. As we were talking before we started, it immediately reminded me of the show when I grew, from when I grew up as a kid called Chalk Zone. I don't know if anybody out there remembers that. So why don't we just go ahead and get right to it. And could you tell us a little bit about what Chalk, A Silent Comedy is about? So the premise of the show is that I draw things with chalk and those things become real. As you said, that's been done in Chalk Zone. Another place that's been done very famously is Harold and the Purple Crayon. So it's a, it is a it is a conceit that has been explored in other places. And then I took it and put my own sort of you know took it in my own direction. But the the narrative journey that we go on is something that I crafted and isn't based on any other source material. That's fantastic. So what exactly can audiences expect from the show, like the experience of the show itself? Well, I guess to be clear, I mean, it's in the title, but this is a a completely nonverbal show, but that doesn't mean that you come and it's going to be silent. It's, well, so there's a soundtrack and sound effects that support all of the things that I'm creating. The things are drawn and then sort of come to life with, with the power of mine. And clowning, but I and and I guess I don't know. The thing that I think it's real there are a couple of things that are really special about the show. One is that I think it's one of the rare clown mime shows that is narrative. And I think a lot of other really beautifully done shows, I'm thinking of some of Bill Irwin's work, for example, they can either be vignettes or it can be sort of a narrative that free associates. I'm thinking of in that way of sort of Slava's snow show that was in town a few years ago, if anyone was familiar with that. Well, this is very much one character comes into a space and we go on a journey where we create a room and then we have to leave the room. And that's sort of our, you know, the very base setup. I think then what's fun about the show is it resonates on different levels so that I didn't create the show as a family show, but it's become really successful that way. And I think a similar way to the way that Pixar shorts play or Pixar films play. There is a a very mature thematic undercurrent that resonates with an adult audience. But then the way that the action is coming through is very lighthearted and silly and imaginative, which really resonates with younger audience members. And so I think to finally come around to answering your question, people, the thing that you should expect to experience if you come see the show is a playful, imaginative, heartfelt journey that we are going to co-create as an audience and a, and a performer. I love that. That sounds so exciting and so unique, unlike anything that's playing these days right now. 
So where did you come up with the idea for Chalk, a silent comedy? So the idea or the premise of the drawing, of drawing things with Chalk and seeing what happens, that I stole, but not from any of the places that we've already mentioned, not from Chalk, Summer Herald, and Purple Crayon. The most direct inspiration for the show was, is a one-man show that was touring internationally in 2013 called Leo by a company called Circle of Eleven. It was directed by Daniel, I'm going to print butcher, I don't know how to pronounce the last name, Daniel Breerer. And the creator performer was Tobias Wegner. And so I saw that show and was absolutely delighted by it. That show really played, it, the, the main performer is a clown slash acrobat. And the premise really has to do with sort of gravity working Gravity doesn't pull you down, it pulls you sideways. And then it's it sort of all spins out from there. Anyway, there's one part of the show where he drew with chalk and I thought, oh, that's really cool. And I don't think he got everything. I don't think he got everything out of that idea. Also, I'm not an acrobat. So I was looking to build my own show at the time. And I thought, well, I can't, I can't do any of the other stuff he did, but I can draw pretty well. And I think, and I think there's something deeper here. So that was sort of where I took the that the theatrical conceit of I'll draw things and become they'll become real. A frame for sort of where and how the show came to be. The, I got my MFA in acting from the Brown University Trinity Rep MFA program. And the final project there is you've got 20 to 30 minutes to do anything you want, but you have to be alone on stage. And you're alone on stage in front of everyone that you've been in class with for three years, anyone in the classes behind you, families flying, happens right before graduation. It's really your final moment to say, this is who I am and this is what I learned. And one of the things that's special about the program at Brown Trinity is not only are they teaching you acting, but you have the, they teach you directing and you have the option to, to take courses in playwriting. So this has become a project where people will create their own work. And I, having my eye on moving to New York, had this thought of like, well, I should make something of my own. So then when I get to New York, I have something to do. And so I wanted to create an original show. I had the idea of let me steal, of let me draw things in chalk that I'd stolen from this great show, Leo. And then in terms of the emotional journey that underpinned it, I was going through a breakup or I'd just gone through a breakup and was starting to date. And dating wasn't going super well because I had all this heartache that then as I was dating, I was hoping would go away. And the realization was, oh, I actually, I'm, I'm putting too much on these people I'm meeting, hoping that they're gonna fix my heartbreak and my loneliness. I need to figure that out on my own and then I'll be ready to meet people. And that ended up giving me sort of a three-act structure for this show. A guy comes into his comes into a space, and he's alone and he's lonely. Somebody else comes in, and things are wonderful, but he goes too far. He asks too much of them, and they leave. And now he's alone again, and it's even worse than it was before. And only once he figures out how to show up for himself and to be okay in this room by himself, does then actually the way out of this box that he's stuck in or reveal itself. 
And all of a sudden, then in the final moments of the show, spoiler alert, I'm able to leave the stage space. There's a little bit of very gentle interaction with the audience. And, and really what that does is it's, the world for this for this character becomes so much bigger. Once he's okay with himself, that person left and they're gone and that's okay. But now look at all of these people that he can meet and these connections they can have in, in all of this beauty that's been there the whole time and that he wasn't able to see. And now he can go off and discover, go off into the unknown and see what happens next. And then that's that's sort of our thematic close to the show. Yeah, and so I guess that those are, it was a really fortunate intersection of the opportunities slash necessity to make my own show to fulfill the requirement of this recital at the end of my grad program. The inspiration for the concept from, from Leo and drawing things with chalk. And then where I happened to be in my life at the time where I had something to say that that sort of conceptually synced up with what a clown can do in a, in a room with an audience. Love all that. That's incredible. What a Thank wonderful you. origin story for this great show. And I want to kind of build on that a little bit. And talk about the current iteration of the show. Now it's you've taken the show to a, a frigid, excuse me, to a fringe festival before, and now you're coming to the crane with it. What has it been like developing this current iteration of the show? Yeah, well, I mean, just because I'm sure the audience isn't looking at at my bio, that was I started developing the show ten years ago. So this it has had a, a very full life since that initial inception. It was performed in the spring of 2014 to a really warm audience. It then immediately went into the Providence Fringe Festival that was in its inaugural year. It came to Frigid, the Frigid Festival in 2016 at the Crane Theater. And then Frigid New York, the company, really generously offered me a residency that lasted, that lasted until the pandemic. So I had this really lovely incubator to once a month perform the show in the meantime in between performances, I could develop it and rehearse it and expand it. So it's now about 45 minutes long. The first version of it was around 20. So it's grown a lot since it was first done. It's been produced. So at the Providence Fringe Festival, the New York Fringe Festival, the Frigid Festival, the Gotham Storytelling Festival, the New York Clown Theater Festival in 2019, it went to the Edinburgh Fringe and was very warmly received there. So it's it's had a very long history to to engage with audiences to develop, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity to now bring it back to the Crane for the first time since the pandemic for the send off because the Crane has been my home in my creative home for this show and just personally in New York since 2016. Bridge New York will be leaving the crane at the end of December. And so, you know, I, re I really hope that wherever they end up next, Chalk can go there. But but this is this is certainly a send-off to what to the life that it's been able to have. And so that's the inception of doing this run. And I think what's special about this is the the final time that we'll get to be seen at this place that has been a lovely home for the show for so long. This the, the most current iteration. The my goal for revisiting the show now versus where it was in 2020 
hasn't really been about changing the show. It's been about letting it be something fresh to really have faith in the life that it's had and to be available, not for the show to be strictly wrote or choreographed, but to let these remaining performances be something spontaneous in relationship to the audience so that we are really sharing something special together, me and the people who come. And that's my goal for these for these remaining shows. In terms of developing the show since 2016 at this space, it's been a great collaboration with audience members because so many times, or what's been great about the show generally is every time I get to do it, it's always the best the best version I have to share. And then because I'm the creator performer, if I get a better idea, I've I've had the opportunity with the crane to you know rehearse and develop and add things, and then the next month there's something new added, and it is again the best show that I can possibly think of and be, and be sharing. And so much of the, the development process has come actually from audience members of saying that was so wonderful. I enjoyed that so much. Did you ever think about insert great idea here? And then I go, no, but that's amazing. I'm going to go rehearse that, and next month it'll be in the show. Um, so there hasn't been any like new, sort of transformative idea in a minute. But one of the, but that's that's one of the things I really loved about the development process is even though I'm the creator, I it's it's really been the show's been touched by so many people, including any random person who comes up to me with a great idea that I never would have thought of on my own. And all of a sudden that's in the show. That is awesome. Yeah. Wow. You've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious to know, is there a message or a thought you hope audiences take away from your show? Well, I think on the adult, sort of for the adult audiences, I hope that we can all connect to this journey of the simultaneous searching for for love and connection and you know sort of that that missing piece and, and to have an empathetic reaction to that but then yeah i guess it's that you have to we all have to figure out how to be okay and to show up for ourselves in order to be the best version of ourselves for to actually be in in relationship and partnership with anybody else i think Though, you know, with younger audiences and generally just the framing of the show, the willingness to be delighted, the willingness to invest in something imaginatively, the willingness to play, I hope that audiences leave a little happier, a little sillier, a little more open-hearted than when they walked in the room. I love that. Well, that leads to my final question in this first part, which is, who do you hope have access to chalk a silent comedy? One of the things that's so wonderful about this show is how broadly accessible it is. So, as I mean, I made the show with my peers, with sort of other adults in mind. And the idea that it would be a great show that kids would love it so much and that it would be a great family show has been a, a really wonderful and fulfilling afterthought. 
I've, I've had audiences come who are English second language, you know, audiences because there are no words in it. There's no language barrier. Anybody can enjoy it. I had, so, you know, a deaf audiences could come and enjoy and follow the story and, and do that. I had a, a blind woman came at one point and afterwards I felt, I nearly apologized to her because it's, you know, it's a silent show. There was no dialogue to follow along with, but she said that my physicality was so robust and the soundtrack was so filled out that she followed and enjoyed every moment of it. So it wasn't created with accessibility as the goal, but it's been a really meaningful and filling and fulfilling discovery of how open the show is, which I think really then ties into that inclusive, communal, open-hearted, connecting goal of the piece, that it's, it's actually hard for me to think of who it isn't for or who wouldn't enjoy it. So I, I'm not sure if that's a cop-out answer, but that's, it's, I think, again, sort of in a, the way that that Pixar movies have such a broad resonance because they're because they're so layered. I think the a gift of the form and it being nonverbal opens up a lot. The thematic and stylistic things open up a lot. Yeah, I have a son who's one years old. I don't think it's for him. I don't think he could sit through it. But I would say three and three or four, probably three. I'm going to say three and up. You know, I think hearing or not, English speaking or not, would would really get something out of change things up now for the second part of our interview and let our listeners get to know you a little bit more sure and i want to start with our regular first question which is what or who inspires you what playwrights or composers or shows in the past have inspired you or just some of your favorites great question so my journey into clown was inspired by one particular show from one particular company which is piccolo teatro di milan was doing a world tour in 2005 of, of Arlecchino, Servant of Two Masters. They were the first company to resurrect Commedia dell'arte back in 1947, and their production was astonishing. And the thing that I took from that is I felt like I was watching living cartoons, and I never, I didn't know performers could do that. And yet that level of exuberance, and imagination and joy, I was I was hooked from there. And that I think does tie in with ice. I think on like a really on like a very base human level, Looney Tunes has worked its way into my DNA. I'm also a theater director, and I can't tell you how many times I've been directing something and said out loud, "Well, in Looney Tunes, this moment would go like," and then I sort of walk walk through the structure of the joke from there. I'm really inspired by Jim Henson and the Muppets and how silly that is. And, and 
again, there's they, the creators seem to be having so much fun. It's really, I think, a generous, lovely, welcoming world that they've created that that really touches me. I'm a, I'm sort of you know t- related off the Muppet Show. I think vaudeville, it, you know that that catches me. But so after I saw that show, that Servant of Two Masters, that really inspired me as a as a fan, or I guess maybe more like as a stand of clowns to start collecting material. So I think Avner the Eccentric is really wonderful. I've made a point of watching as much of his stuff as I could find. And he's great. I think, you know, Bill Irwin and David Shiner, both separately and particularly together, are are just dynamos. So those are some of the some of the contemporaries or the people that I look up to and who I've tried to pull from. And then as a creator, I have a whole I you mentioned composers. I have a, a I have the a Pandora playlist that I've perfected that I feel like is just absolutely silly. And that inspires me quite a bit, particularly if I'm trying to create in this sort of large of emotional silly you know all all of those things you know if i'm trying to create this like sort of larger than like genre and the artists on that playlist are bert camfort are herb albert in the teal on a brass al hurt xavier kugat is on there anyway there's this there's this really wonderful period of music from like the mid to early 60s where and what i think is so great about it is it's just got all of the feelings it's like we just put like it's it is so unabashedly emo- unabashedly emotional and some things like the song java which i really enjoy or the song limbo jazz which is by coleman hawkins is i don't know there's just th- those ones are just silly but there's something that was happening in jazz that was like really silly Lambert camford herbert Herb albert are really there and then something that's happening in these like really heavily orchestrated and these really heavily orchestrated soundtracks that just between the two of them creatively make me feel like there aren't limits and encourage me not to hold back and to really go as far and as fully into whatever the creative impulse may be. I love all of that, that, that those lists, those inspirations. I need to check out this Pandora playlist. I mean, this sounds right up my alley. So I love all of that. Your your inspirations are just chef's kiss. That's fantastic. Thank you. And now we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, I think my favorite theater memory has got to be the one that got me started. It's got to be the thing that, you know, that that changed my life. So I've wanted to be an actor since I was in the fifth grade. There is an organization, I think they're still around, called the Young Americans. They were doing a tour and they came through my elementary school and they did an assembly that was sort of a promo of like, hey guys, you should sign up for our weekend workshop. I got, I was called on to be part of this improv exercise and they did a game called freeze frame where they say a word and everybody 
freezes and the first thing that comes to their mind. And I remember specifically that they said the word horse, everybody froze and the guy goes down the line and there are you know, four or five of us and everybody before me, everyone is riding a horse in a different way. And then I am, I'm the only person who like is the horse, like taking off full gallop. And the, the host calls that out, and then the, a laugh rolls through the audience. And I was like, oh, this is nice. This is fun. Um, I was, uh, my parents moved a lot. We, we moved a decent amount. And so I was often the new kid. And so then being part of that, getting that laugh in, in a school that I felt new to and uncomfortable in was really, was really nice. Then being in that weekend workshop, I felt such a wonderful connection to the other people, to the other kids, to the counselors who were making the show happen, who were also generous, and then to get to share it with an audience at the end. It was really just fulfilling, you know, across the board in all of those different relationships. And, and that was just, a, that was the moment where I thought, oh, this, I would love a life of this, of this camaraderie with my peers of this connection with the audience to create something where I feel like I'm, you know, of value and I'm, I'm making some, I'm helping other people have fun and I'm having fun doing it. God, that's amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's my origin story and that's gotta be my favorite, my favorite memory. Yes. Yes, what a wonderful memory. We love a great origin story. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you for asking. Do you have any other upcoming projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Absolutely. So I have another silent comedy that's currently playing. There, I have a short film that I wrote, wrote, directed, produced and starred in called Dress to Impress that's currently on the festival circuit. You can find more information about it on IMDb right now. So that's that was produced and the opportunity or the opportunity to create it came from a theater company actually here in New York called All for One. I think their website is afo.nyc. During COVID, they created a solo, like a digital theater thing for solo artists that then as COVID started to wane, people started doing things that were a little bit more produced. And I submitted a script to them, I got chosen, and that was the opportunity and sort of the impetus to create my, my film. So a version of that was on AFO's website. Everyone can go check that out. And it's currently on the festival circuit, so please keep, you know, keep track of where that is. So that's something that's going on I'm very excited about, I'm proud of. Cool tidbit, it just premiered, it just played at a festival in the same block as Buster Keaton. We like I, when they were grouping films together, they put me and Buster Keaton like in the same crew, and that felt so cool. And then I think the I've got another couple solo shows that are in early stages of incubation. If anyone is can't comes to shock and loves it and wants to help a guy make his next show. You can call me. I've got, I've got the ideas in the pipeline. Apart from that, I am currently writing another short film. And this one is the big leap for me creatively on this next piece is that it is not silent. It, yes, it's, it's a romantic comedy about two people who are already married, 
who have been pushed apart by the pressures of early parenthood and are sort of in finding their way to embrace this, you know, sort of to find themselves again in this new stage of life. That's something that, you know, again, having a one-year-old is very personal to me. It's a story I don't, can't really point to being told in popular media anywhere else. And so to tie it into sort of the thematic takeaways with Chuck, it's something that I hope when it's done has a heart that people connect with that creates a more humane and open conversation around parenthood and people becoming parents, but that also is fun along the way. And we'll certainly have, you know, levels of theatricality that make it playful and a little out of the box. But that's, so that's the, the thing that I'm currently hard at work at. But yeah, but again, if anyone wants to, really, really loves a mime and wants to see another, see another show, you know, I'm, I'm looking for collaborators and people to, people to make more art with. It's, it's fun as a solo performer to have, so to be so empowered, but you know, it's, it's also really sustaining and meaningful to have a community. I love all that. That sounds incredible. You've got a lot of irons in the fire and it sounds like you you just continue to create, you draw from anything that inspires you, including, you know, what it's like to be a new parent and everything. So that's so amazing. And with all these irons in the fire, that brings us to our final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Chalk, a silent comedy, or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do so? Yeah. So you can find out more about Chalk. Uh, Chalk has its own website, I, like you and I were talking about before, a, a thing that we, that I created on my own, chalktheplay.com. So you can find Chalk there, and it's got video and, and press quotes and all of those things and a contact page there. Chalk has an Instagram, again, Chalk the Play, a Facebook page, Chalk the Play. And if you reach out to through any of those, you'll get to me. I personally have an actor creator website, alexmcurtis.com. So those, if you're curious about me, I'd send you to Alex M. Curtis. You'll find a lot there about the different projects I've got going on, including the films or the short film that I mentioned that's that's moving around right now. If you want things about Chalk, Chalk the play is the thing to remember and then pick if you want to go to a website or an Instagram or a Facebook or what have you. Perfect. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this evening and sharing this incredible show. I am truly excited about it. So thank you so much for sharing that and your insights and memories. It means the world to us. I mean, I... I want to thank you for such a generous, lovely conversation. I, I have had a wonderful time. So thank you for, for inviting me and thank you for sharing sharing me with your audience. You know, it's, it's, I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for those kind words. My guest today has been the amazing creator and performer, Alex Curtis, whose show Chalk, a silent comedy, is playing November 11th and 12th at the Crane Theater. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting frigid.nyc. And we also have some other contact information regarding the show and Alex, which we'll be posting on our social media posts, as well as on our episode description. But right now, make sure you catch this fantastic show, this wonderful show made for most any audiences. I believe he said three and up 
Go check it out. It's at the Crane Theater, November 11th and 12th. Chalk, a silent comedy. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our brand new website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.